0: Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. Well movers and shakers, happy Earth Day. It has been an exciting month leading up to today as we've connected with change makers, addressing food waste, education, environment, wildlife, marine life, and more. The impact that these change makers are having across global and national issues and the different innovative measures that they've been applying to create change is just beyond inspiring. I know personally, I have taken several different steps in my daily routines to try and reduce my impact that I have. Well, I hope you're completely excited because today I have Linda Walker, Director of the Responsible Forestry and Trade for the World Wildlife Fund in the US. She focuses on promoting responsible forest management by collaborating with US-based companies committed to positive sourcing practices. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Alex. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Obviously, the World Wildlife Fund works year-round on conservation, education, protecting the environment, wildlife, and more. Are there any special campaigns or endeavors that you guys are doing leading up to Earth Day this year?
1: Well, we have a lot of things going on uh, in the US uh, related to Earth Day. We actually last month had a big event called Earth Hour um, where Companies and governments can turn off their lights for an hour, and that sort of uh, raises awareness about the issues of the environment and climate change. And that was something that we do every year in the lead up to, to Earth Day to sort of show the <clears throat> interest and commitment there is around the world um, on, about environmental issues and, and, and protecting our environment. We, we have a lot of uh, efforts going on related to forests and uh, global forest conservation and so leading up to Earth Day we really start promoting more of the work that we and our colleagues around the world are doing to protect forests because forests Uh, filter the air we breathe, they purify the water we drink, they provide livelihoods for billions of people around the world and so for, for us and me particularly because of my focus on forest conservation and responsible forestry April is a great time to celebrate Arbor Day and Earth Day and all of the benefits that forests provide for for people and wildlife around the world.
0: It's kind of your guys' Super Bowl too, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is the this is a great time of year to celebrate the the renewal of the earth, the 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 springtime and opportunities that we all have to make a difference in in protecting uh wildlife and forests around the globe.
0: Well, I will definitely mark my calendars for next year so I can celebrate Earth Hour cuz I think I somehow I just must have missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited that you brought up a lot of about what you do with forestry because I really want to dive into that and I wanted to kick it off with this really great quote you have from your blog collaboration with the private sector on responsible forest products sourcing is critical given the tremendous influence companies particularly those in the US can have in the marketplace. This partnership that you guys have with businesses, the ones that are going in, they're using the wood, they're using these resources, it's a really bold step for a nonprofit like World Wildlife Fund. Well, thanks for,
1: for bringing that up, Alex. Um, WWF is one of the world's largest conservation organizations, and we have uh, forest projects that span many different areas around the globe, many different topics. We obviously are working on forest protection, on on protecting national parks and national forest areas. We're working on policy and strengthening things like forest laws and law enforcement, especially in places in the world where there's high rates of illegal logging, for example, like like in some of the tropical countries, like in the Amazon. But WWF believes that one of the most important ways that we can protect those forests and places that we care about is by engaging with companies that are sourcing natural resources from those places, companies that are sourcing wood and paper products from forests. Uh, We also work with companies that are sourcing um, other agricultural commodities like palm oil and soy and beef uh, and, and even companies that source seafood products because we realize that Those that sourcing can have a positive or a very negative impact on the places and the species that we're trying to protect. So we believe that by really trying to uh, stimulate interest on the part of companies in the the business benefits of responsible sourcing is, is the best way to go. And so the the, the project that I manage, one of the projects I manage in my job at World Wildlife Fund is called the Global Forest and Trade Network. And that's a program that WWF developed almost 20 years ago to engage with companies across the world and across the wood products supply chain from the forest floor to the sales floor, companies that are committed to responsible forestry and responsible sourcing of wood and paper products.
0: From the forest floor to the sales floor, that's pretty catchy. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Uh, Well, we
1: can. We also say stump to store sometimes, but (laughs) but that is the forest product supply chain goes from the stump to the store, and it's really important for every company along that chain to be practicing responsible, um, you know, responsible business practices, so that consumers, when they go into a store and buy a wood or paper product, can have confidence in knowing that they are not destroying forests with those purchases and the good news is that there's ways that they can there's things they can look for to make sure that they they're not having Im- negative impacts with their sourcing
0: what are those specific things that consumers can look for
1: well uh, they can look for a logo on wood and paper products and it's a logo that has is the initials f s c it's a check mark and tree symbol and fsc stands for the forest Stewardship Council. We talk about it kind of like a good housekeeping seal of approval for forest <laughs> products. The Forest Stewardship Council is a nonprofit organization that sets leadership standards for responsible forestry. That's forestry that protects water quality, that prohibits logging of old growth forests, that prohibits the use of really hazardous pesticides and chemicals in forests, and it protects um, the local communities that live around forests. So the Forest Stewardship Council sets these really rigorous best practice standards for responsible forest management. And companies that want to source those kind of products can get what's called an FSC chain of custody certificate, and that allows them... To actually label products that come uh, to them that are from those well-managed forests and pass along that information to consumers. So consumers can look for the FSC logo. it's on it's on tissue products, it's on paper products. It's on wood products. you can furniture you can find every day. And that's the way that consumers can know that they are actually helping to sustain forests with their purchases.
0: Some of these different practices that you're describing, One theme that we've had on the podcast before is a lot of times these better, you know, environmental, these more conscious and socially responsible practices actually help the business bottom line. So when that comes to forest and timber, how do those practices impact the businesses that you work with?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think when companies are thinking about the wood products they source. They've got a lot on their minds. They obviously want to have a reliable supply of wood. They want to have an affordable and consistent supply of wood at at a price and quality that they can afford. But increasingly, and this is actually good from our perspective, um, more consumers and more groups like ours are asking companies, well where do the products that you sell come from you know consumers ask the question a lot when it comes to things that we put in our bodies or on our bodies whether it's food or lotions or things like that But the good news is that the people are starting to ask that question more about wood products and so for a company for especially a company that has a brand and a brand reputation that they want to maintain a company is not going to want to have their customers think that they are sourcing wood from an area that could hurt orangutans or that could that, that might be associated with human rights impacts. I mean there's some really bad situations going on in forests around the world especially in in some areas of the tropics where there's illegal logging that fuels um, you know, military operations or terrorist activities. Um, people have even gotten killed in communities for trying to keep out illegal loggers. And so, from a business standpoint, you don't want to be associated with that kind of wood because that's really, really bad. PR for you. No, not at all. Yeah, so you can really destroy the trust that consumers might have in the products that you're selling. So that's the that's the sort of the the risk management that companies want to avoid. The the flip side of that, Alex is that companies can actually tell a very positive story to consumers and more and more companies are looking for ways to credibly tell consumers, yes, we care about the environment. Yes, we, we have sustainable business practices. And so there's sort of a, a, you know, avoid the bad side of responsible sourcing and promote the good. There's great stories that companies can tell about the family forest owners that they're supporting with, you know, if they're buying wood products from, from family forest owners that have this FSC certification, there's and there's ways they can tell a very positive story about the products they sell, and then consumers can feel even better about those products they buy. So I think there's there's sort of an avoid the bad and promote the good uh, on both sides.
0: So we're avoiding the bad, we're promoting the good, and while you're at it, you're creating sustainable, consistent, and reliable sources, something that every business owner loves to have in their business.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of, um, we, our our organization, uh, in addition to promoting Forest Stewardship Council as a way that companies can really manage risk and tell a really credible story to their consumers, we also, our organization and this Global Forest and Trade Network that, that I manage, we have a lot of free tools and resources available on our website for companies that want to practice more due diligence, to learn more about the questions they need to be asking of their suppliers and trainings that they can do and uh, tools and resources that they can use to manage their risk and make sure that they're, uh, you know, that they're sourcing responsibly.
0: You guys really are a partner in that sense, not just helping champion you know, these policies and you know, helping to set up these standards, but also working with businesses so that they can achieve it while having their business thrive in the same model that Youth Helps establish. What's really at stake if we don't do something about these areas that are you know, at risk for deforestation?
1: well if we don't do something about that we are going to we're going to be living in a future where we have incredible threats to biodiversity we also are looking at a scenario where um there is huge impacts on on global climate i mean Deforestation is responsible for about twenty percent of the greenhouse gas emissions uh, across the globe, particularly from when these forests are cleared and then burned so that a lot of um, a lot of smoke goes up into the air. So the impacts that we're looking at can have um, implications for global climate, for for biodiversity, for local communities that depend on these forests, and for the other environmental services like like water quality that those forests uh, that those forests protect
0: really substantial issues not only for us now but then also for future generations and their quality of life.
1: yeah, but the good news, Alex, is that especially around the uh, the Paris climate talks and the, the the climate agreement that happened in December. The good news is there was, there's been a tremendous uh, groundswell of, of support and commitments, not only on the part of governments, but on the part of companies around the world to, rec- to, re- to recognize the role of forests in combating climate change, the role of forests for the future. So, I don't know if some of your listeners are aware of this, but the Paris Climate Agreement was the first time ever that forests were actually called out as a specific annex in the agreement. It was the only separate annex that that related to a particular um, you know, a particular habitat type around the world. And so, forests factored very heavily into the climate agreement, and there was recognition by the part of, of not only developing countries, developed countries, but developing country governments and many uh, groups of companies around the world. There's a group called the Consumer Goods Forum that's made up of, of dozens of global uh... you know very prominent companies like walmart and procter and gamble and johnson and johnson many companies in europe there's a group called the tropical forest alliance there's a uh, many other groups coming together and saying we recognize the role that our sector plays in reducing the effects of climate change and and we can do that through our business practices so i think the more that there's there's positive momentum coming out of those that climate agreement in paris that i think is is an opportunity for us to feel optimistic about the ways that governments and companies and communities and ngos can come together around this issue like never before
0: that is so exciting and optimistic, especially as you pointed out, you have all the different stakeholders from around the world coming together and saying, we are committed to this. We realize the power that our organization, whether it be government, business, nonprofit, NGO, can bring to the table. And, oh, it must have been so tangible to have that really collaborative atmosphere.
1: It absolutely was. And I think that the the Paris Agreement was so important because you have 195 nations agreeing to make tangible progress to limit temperature rise to this well below two degrees centigrade. And the fact that forests featured prominently in that agreement, the role that forests play in climate change mitigation and adaptation, and the role that governments and businesses and communities and and companies all need to pay, play in being part of the solution yeah I think there's there's definitely lots of challenges ahead and there's lots of ways that the agreement could have even been better but I think that there's 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 a powerful it's a powerful framework for uh, making some some positive change going forward
0: that good old positive impact that we love on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, you are such a wealth of information on this topic and we could really spend so much time talking about the way that forests play into so many different factors of our life. But before we end today, I really would love to talk about some of your unique personal experiences because you have such a cool role and have been able to have boots on the ground around the world. So what are some of those moments that stand out to you over the years?
1: Oh, there's so many. I gotta tell you, I feel truly grateful i've been with the world wildlife fund for about 8 years and i have been able to witness some of the most amazing natural events in the world and 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 work with truly dedicated colleagues i've been fortunate to spend a lot of time in borneo and sumatra in in, in indonesia and i would say one of my most memorable experiences is just waking up in the rainforest of Borneo in the morning where they have what's called the dawn chorus and it's a combination of birds like these rhinoceros hornbills, monkeys, frogs, insects, it's like they're all waking up at the same time in the morning and it is completely magical. So waking up in that tropical forest knowing that there's orangutans, they're almost impossible to see but they're out there, knowing that you are in the middle of one of the most ecologically important and diverse places on the planet is incredible. So that's that's one opportunity I've had that I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, how could you? I mean, just to have so much wildlife, such diversity around you, and in the morning when it's, you know, quiet out and you can just hear things and coming to life, I can't even imagine what a unique yeah, experience.
1: Yeah, it just, it starts slow, and then it becomes this, like, cacophony of sounds that is almost deafening between the <laughs> <laughs> insects and the birds and the monkeys, and it's all like, we're waking up for the day, so. It's magical for a wild. moment, and
0: then, you know, a little <clears throat> overwhelming.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I would say my other really magical experience, uh, is actually not in the tropics. It's in an uh, area of Russia. We call it the Russian Far East. It's about as far as you can get east in Russia. It's the area that borders uh, northeast China and North Korea. And that part of Russia, most of Russia, is kind of like the Canadian boreal forest. It's got lots of spruce trees and pine trees and conifer trees. But there's this little peninsula that is on the southeast portion of Russia That it is almost like the Appalachian Mountains in the eastern part of the U.S. there's oak trees, there's ash trees, it looks in the fall just like it would if you were in Shenandoah National Park. And a big difference though is that there's the you know Amur tigers and Amur leopards living there as well and I've had the chance to visit that part of Russia with my colleagues um, a couple times particularly because there is a lot of illegal logging there but coolest thing in the Russian Far East was when I was traveling with my colleagues. It was in November, so it was already getting to be winter there, and we saw tracks of the Amur Tiger in the snow uh, where this tiger had been crossing the road, and they also are very elusive. You can almost never see them in the wild, but just knowing that we were following, you know, a couple hours behind this amazing creature. I mean, there's fewer than 500 of these animals left in the wild and they are secretive and they are majestic. That was also just made my heart pound because those creatures are amazing, even just to see the tracks of them. I don't know if I'd want to see one close up, actually. I'd rather see a track than the animal.
0: (laughs) You know, when you were mentioning that, I was thinking half how exciting and then the other half of me was going and terrifying all at the same time. Exactly.
1: I think it's much better to see the tracks than to see the animal because if you see the animal you could be you could be a, you could be a prey item yourself.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, what incredible experience I mean you have tigers, you have panthers. I almost want to say lions and tigers and bears, but a little <laughs> different geography. Uh, the work that you guys are doing is incredible. and Linda, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: It's been a pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, Movers and Shakers, what a knockout episode for our Earth Day celebration and the conclusion of our environmental focus leading up to today. I hope that you are inspired and that you've come away with several different ways that you can make a positive impact toward the environment in your life. Please let me know the activities that you're doing to celebrate Earth Day and any different endeavors that you're pursuing to make an impact on the environment on Twitter at impact underscore podcast. Love to connect and see what we're all doing together. For all of the resources mentioned in today's episode, head on over to positiveimpactpodcast.com slash stories slash WWF. There you can find not only photos from some of those incredible experiences that Linda shared with us, but also links to the guides that she referenced, giving you the tools to know what type of timber supplies and what the practices are behind them in your life. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.